It's February, and it's the month of Valentine's Day, which means there's a lot of love in the air. And here I thought we was going to talk about Black History Month. Well, we could do that, too. It's time. I mean, it's a whole month, so we got that. You can wait, talk about that, too. Wait, let's, I think. let's split the difference, and we should share the love with the Black History Month. Huh? Okay. okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> I will allow it. I like it. I like it. Is this our first episode for for the for this month? Uh, well, it's the first one we're recording. It's not. Actually, no way. I'm lying because we recorded one last week, <laughs> and it was totally. We don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I'm just easily confused. <laughs> we are in our podcast. Please send us help. <laughs> oh man, I think um, it's time we start the show. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the RNR Gaming Podcast. We are a part of the Joystick Entertainment Network, and I am your host, Byron Reed. Alongside me is my co-host. Ken Rossi. Um, you, you okay? That sounded a little that was a quick that was a quick uh intro to Ken Rossi. Oh, all okay, right. all right. Let me uh, let me try to start over. Ken Rossi! That was better. That was better. Much, much better. Much more enthusiastic. It's so funny. Whenever I do the intro, I almost like scoot forward in my seat and I pop over the mic a little bit. I don't know why. It just sort of happens. It works out that way. I was that excited to be here. You know, I'm not sure what's happening, so I would need photographic evidence to to see what you're doing. I I got you. I'll I'll have to like do a video thing where it's where I have the whatever. I got you. Work it out. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, man, we have a great episode for you all tonight. And again, you know, it's Val- it's Valentine's uh, month, Black History Month, and all that. So, we'll have a few special things planned for this month as far as topics go. But this one in particular, we are going to take a little bit of time to uh, in the body of our show to talk about an an underappreciated game that that we that we each love. And basically what I had in mind for this is this is something that it, it's not a quote-unquote bad game, meaning that, you know, it got below a certain review score or critics didn't like it or whatever, but you loved it. This, is for me, would be something that you you like, but not many other people have either played or heard about if you tell them, if you tell them about the game or whatever it may be. Right. So that's what I had in mind when I threw threw the topic out there to you. Okay, there's something that not a lot of people play. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I, it's yeah. I, I think ahead. I feel that summary quite well. Uh, you know what? Knowing you and knowing your game history, <laughs> I'm pretty sure because I probably haven't played it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> probably haven't played it. Oh, I guarantee. I don't. You. I don't know. I don't know what it is. So. Because I think I've asked you before, and you've never played it. Oh well, fair enough. Not that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I realized I had something in my notes that I had to get rid of really quick, but it's okay. It was just a letter. 
cut it out. We're good. Who's so, the letter? <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just a random a random I in front of in front of the game that I was gonna I'm gonna talk about. So why is that there? See, I thought you said you said your notes. I thought you said your nose. I thought you had like an oh. eye up in your oh, nose. Oh God, <laughs> no, 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 none of that. There, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that would be there, but let me tell you, wouldn't be good if it was there. That's not how that works. Yep. You got it. Yeah. But no, so let's uh let's get into this this, this discussion about the underappreciated game that we love. And I feel like I should let you start. What? Sure. <laughs> nah, I, I was gonna say I'll start you really I really don't care. I'll start if you want. Really don't care. Uh, for some reason, I just assumed you were starting. <laughs> you know me, man. I like to throw you curveballs live on air. It's fantastic. I think you prefer sliders. Yeah, all three pitches, whatever. Mm. Get you off balance a little bit. But yeah, no, I, I can start. That's not a problem. So. All right. Yeah. So the the game that uh, is my uh, underappreciated love which also ties into the Black History Month, um, is titled Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen. I've never played it. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, the history lesson on this is that it was released uh, way back on the Super Nintendo, uh, back, 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 back uh, in 1993. Was yeah, I was one in '93, so no. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be honest, uh, uh, I guess I was much older than that. But <laughs> no, because uh, no, in '93 I think I was seven years old. Um, but I don't think I played it when it first came out uh, because a lot of my uh, playing habits came from playing games at the local uh, video rental. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was me growing up too. We could talk about that. There is a topic for a future episode. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, put that on the back burner. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Phone. So. Uh. Anyways, yeah. It came out in 1993. Um. Was made by the Quest Corporation, uh, who is now defunct because, long story short, Square Enix bought them got rid of their company and moved everyone from within that company into the Square Enix company. Which is sad. It makes me sad. Very sad. Um, but it came out on the uh, Super Nintendo. It did get re-released on the PlayStation, but the PlayStation version is even more more rare. That doesn't sound like the right word. Um, <laughs> Rarer? <laughs> Rarer? Rarer doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's not good either. Yeah. Um, but it's harder to find than the Super Nintendo version uh, is, if I'm not mistaken. Because they released it in very limited quantities. Right. Um, but it did get a release. And then they actually, the, the easiest way to find the game, though, was on uh, the WiiWare Virtual Console. As that got released back in uh, 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So it has had a, a few major releases. 
And uh, this game is, it's a strategy RPG simulation type of game. And uh, the way it works is that um, you will get um, fighters, if you will. Um, like your, your main leader, he'll get a fighter and then uh, depending on the square... Man, I'm not explaining this well, but, <laughs> um, but uh, you can have uh, different sets of characters. Like, there's characters such as griffins, there's uh, clerics or healers, there's knights, paladins, uh, there's ogres, there's, you can even get stuff like skeletons and fairies and mermaids, and there's just beastmasters. Like, this, I swear it has probably a hundred different characters that you can get. Uh, in the oh game. wow yeah and uh, the strategy element comes in in that different characters like a griffin is considered a large character so he takes up uh, X amount of spots so uh, generally if you're playing with your character and you have two griffins that is all that you can have in your if you'll party for that uh, one dude um, but if you have like uh, I think there's a dwarf characters um, you can have like five of those guys because they're considered small characters with your one leader dude on there. Right. And certain characters can become leaders. Like a knight can be a leader, but a griffin cannot be a leader. So a griffin can be a part of uh, another uh, party, but it can't be the main leader. Like it can't be its own singular party. If that makes sense. Gotcha. Um, and there's, there's also dragons. I forgot dragons. <laughs> Cause I, I love me some dragons. <laughs> yeah. Dragons are great, man. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the map is kind of like a top down, uh, view and you will send these parties to different towns or different areas. Um, there are certain like hidden stuff, uh, throughout each map that they have. And depending on what type of characters you have, like if you have, uh, mermaid characters they're going to do really well in the water like they're going to be able to go in the water and they're going to move really fast yeah but when they're on land they're going to move really slow right for, for reasons mm-hmm. fish bottoms yeah exactly <laughs> um, but so that adds a certain element like if you have uh, a group like you have two dragons and you have your knight um, the dragons move really well over mountainous areas. So you can take him around on a mountainous area to try and move faster uh, to your target, if you will. Right. So each map, the, the basic plot is that you're going to uh, move to these towns because there's this like big bad empire and you're part of this rebellion. And so you're trying to liberate these towns. And so you'll go to these towns, uh, liberate them, and um, they will give you money because uh, I should have explained you have to have money to have these guys out on the map. Like uh, each character has a certain amount of money that they take. And so you have to um, get that money by going and liberating these towns. And then they pay you essentially for protection when you capture them. Huh. And you can, like leave guys in the towns to protect them, or you can, uh, you know, send them off. But the the baddies may send a unit up to recapture that town, and then you're not getting that money any longer. Um, 
and the morale kind of messes up and you can uh, also buy like if a unit dies while you're fighting you can buy a unit to replace them in certain towns and certain areas okay um yeah so there's there's so much depth to this game like i'm barely scratching the surface with it um because one thing i should mention is that when you go into a, an enemy unit their attacks are um random they're not you don't get to choose uh what they attack they attack uh their own stuff if that makes sense uh yeah no definitely yeah um and to make matters even more complex they also have uh tarot cards that you will get from liberating towns or from beating certain bad guys that have different effects and uh, i'm forgetting all the effects that they have <laughs> but like one of them will be to uh like uh, there's a lot of them that when you go into a battle, you can pause the battle and use a tarot card and it'll damage uh, the enemy units. Um, but there are other cards like uh, there's one card I remember called the Temperance um, because there is a day-night system in this game. And there's actually certain modes like your uh, demon characters, like skeletons and stuff. Right. Um, they... There's actually even vampires too, <laughs> but they um, have better attack and better skills at nighttime than they do during the daytime. And so sometimes that can be a strategy: is to whip out a temperance card and make it daytime if you're fighting against a bunch of undead. That makes sense because they're weaker in the daytime, yeah. And you'll have the upper hand if you switch the uh, day-night cycle up on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's a lot of customization. Uh, with it, uh, there's, it's, it's so good. Um, you know, and the, the one thing that always, uh, bugged me because, um, in Ogre Battle, the characters do have levels. Like when they battle, they defeat somebody, they do level up. Right. Um, but <laughs> there's a system that it wants it to be very difficult for you in that if you go at somebody with overpowered units and essentially just mop the floor with them then uh the people that you're trying to liberate see you as just another empire because you're using your uh might to uh battle them and so in order to get the good ending you kind of have to use under leveled underpowered uh fighters and characters and I've never done it because it's really difficult. <laughs> really I can imagine. Really difficult. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's one of the things that I would like to do is is play the game and actually use the underpowered characters and and beat them. And um, uh, just to finish up with this, they did uh, make uh, several sequels. Um, there was a Ogre Battle 64, which they made on the Nintendo 64. And then there was a, there was two Tactics Ogre games that they made. Um, one got put on the Game Boy Advance. The other got put on the uh, PlayStation and then got later 
ported and remastered onto the uh, PlayStation Portable. And the final one that they didn't release in America was an Ogre Battle for the Neo Geo Pocket. Oh, wow. The Neo Geo. Yeah. Never mind. I'm looking at Neopets. Wrong thing. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, I don't know if it got released in America, but I know that the Neo Geo Pocket was a Japanese uh, piece of hardware. And it consisted of essentially two buttons and a control stick on it. Um... Yeah, no, it did get released here in America in 1999. So, yeah, I remember, like I said, I remember Neopets being a big thing and, you know, a few of the other things like that. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, it looked like a, a Game Boy Advance SP. And in fact, I think it came out before the Game Boy Advance. Hmm. Um, but I think part of the problem was that uh, there wasn't enough games for him and... It uh, kind of ate through the battery lives. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but they did make an ogre battle for this in Japan, but we never got it because it didn't sell well. <clears throat> oh, that explains a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the The article I'm reading here is actually saying that Pokemon pretty much killed the Neo Geo Pocket because that's what everybody wanted to play, and nobody wanted yeah. what the Neo Geo had. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I can't argue with that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all I had to say. That's my uh, underappreciated game that I uh, super love. Fair enough. I I understand that. I mean, it's obviously, you know, you have a lot of knowledge about it and you're passionate about it. So that, you know, equates to love. So yeah, in my opinion. So yeah, that's good. Or that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so my underappreciated game that I love is Spec Ops The Line. Did you play this one? Uh, I don't think so. It's not ringing Oh, ah, well. Okay. It was made, it was came out in 2012. It's a third-person shooter. It's made by, it was made by uh, Jaeger Development, which is a German, a German studio. Okay. So it was published by, two, it was published by uh, 2K. Um, this, uh, this game, like, it's, it has, uh, Nolan North as the voice actor for the main character in the game, but anyway, um, it takes place, yeah, yeah, all right, Nolan North, he's the best, but anyway, uh, you, you play as Captain Martin Walker, who is, uh, sent to Dubai to, to, uh, it's first, for you first start the game, it's like, oh, it's a recon mission. You're going to go in and you're going to figure out what's going on in Dubai and, you know, just see what's going on. But um, eventually, as the game progresses, things start to happen, and you can see the character's mental health start to uh, re regress, so to speak. Mm -hmm. He starts going through things because of everything that's happening and the things that he's uncovering, um, you know, a lot of things start to happen to him and his and his crew and his uh, recon team as well, which is uh, Delta Force. They were Delta Force team. Okay. And another thing that's another thing that's really cool about the game is that it does it does a different thing with the combat where you know because it's Dubai and it's really sandy, 
and everything. You know, there's parts of the parts of the environment you can shoot out that'll bring sand into, like it'll bring sand into into a uh, into a uh, hotel, for instance, because there's just so much of it caked up on the side of a wall. You shoot the wall out, hold sand will come in, it'll kill everyone in the room, whatever, or make, and make it easy, it make it easier for you to get around if you if you so so choose to. But uh, again, like the the story for me is the the highlight of the of the game overall because like i said as the game goes on his mental health starts to progress and uh he starts to experience uh hallucinations there's a famous there's a, a famous scene in the game where it's called uh the uh white phosphorus mm-hmm. uh scene and basically basically what happens in the scene spoiler alert by the way for you know an X amount of years old game now. Um, you go, you, you go through the scene, and you have a choice of put of or you. You really don't. I think the game forced you to do the white phosphorus thing. But anyway, you go through, and you're watching. You're you're walking through with Walker, controlling and walking through after the bombardment of this white phosphorus, and you're hearing screams, and you know. You're hearing Walker's teammates, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, did we, did we really do the right thing?" and all this other stuff like that. And Walker begins to hallucinate, and all of the and everything that he has seen throughout his time in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it um, it's it, it's it's so fantastic. I can't really uh, talk too much in depth about it without really uh, spoiling a whole lot of it. It's a, but, um, it's a six-year-old game. Spoil. Yeah, yeah. It's the the ending. It's uh, oh man, it's um, it's it's really good. The whole game is really good, but the ending is fantastic. You go to the end, and you find the guy who's responsible for all of this, and he hits you with a he hits you with a bunch of questions. Almost Bioshock style in the sense of, you know, you know, uh, are you sure you wouldn't have done the same thing if you weren't in my situation? Mm. You know, he's asking you all of these hard-hitting questions, and then eventually you have to make a choice at the end of the game. And it really doesn't matter uh, which choice you make because, again, the whole thing about the game is that choices are hard. And there is no right or wrong choice, if that makes sense. Like in in war, in quote unquote war, uh, in, in what the game was trying to drive home anyway is that there's no right or wrong choice. You have to do what you have to do for whatever reason you see fit. You know, for your country, for your men to survive, for whatever. But I I, I highly highly recommend that if you have not played this game, it's on. 360, and it actually just became backwards compatible this past week, which I'll get to later on. But I recommend you play it because now is definitely a good time if you have an Xbox uh, One or or like even 360. If you have the physical game, you know, or you can go pick it up. Go pick it up. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Yeah. No, I've never uh, played it. I know that uh, lots. For me, uh, I guess the areas I go to, a lot of people actually talk about it, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and how 
influential it is because it's a first person shooter that starts tearing down the tropes is what I yeah what I understand. Yep, basically, yeah. I mean, the the game came out to pretty positive reviews, and and like I said, the praise for the game was on the narrative and the themes in within it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it just. I'll be honest the the cover art does not scream. I want to play this. So. It yeah, the cover art's very very generic, very safe, oh, safe, you know, in the sense of. I'm a soldier with a gun, and the title of the game yeah. is a helicopter in the distance. But you know, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I've never, uh, I've never even looked at it or anything. So that's that's why I'm okay with you spoiling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you you should definitely check it out. The game was actually the game was actually banned in the uh, United Arab Arab Emirates for its depiction of Dubai. Yeah, That's for, its, for its depiction of Dubai in a state of destruction. Because wow. Dubai in the game is pretty much, you know, under sand, which is sort of interesting. Right. But and this is killer sand, too. This isn't just normal sand. Right, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's cool. Um, uh, it's It's interesting. I mean... Obviously, I've I've never played it or uh, heard of it too much, other than there's like um, critics that I listen to and they love. I, I don't know, if pandering is the right word, but we'll say pander. Yeah. To it, so. Um, but yeah. yeah, and it it's and I I should also uh, mention that it's a it's a third person uh, squad based shooter, so you have two other people with you. And they each have different. They each do different things. Um, Lugo is the sniper. He can provide the. He can provide the sniper support and everything. Whereas Adams can, is Adams is the uh, heavy artillery of the group. He has grenades and all that stuff. So that's where he specializes in. And these two, throughout the course of the game, like I said, they'll talk to you and they will remark on things that you've done um, throughout the course of the game, or they'll just you know. They'll just, you know, remark on like, hey, you know, I don't know how to feel about this situation. I don't know uh, what's going on. Are you okay? Because, again, they can see Walker going through what he's going through, and they're just checking on it throughout the course of the game. And uh, it's, 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 a gripping, it's a gripping story. I don't remember how long it took me to beat it because I had it from Gamefly when I had Gamefly. Um, but, like I said, I definitely recommend that you check it out. Tell you what, I'll now, make, now's I'll the time, deal. my friend. Yeah, I'll make a deal with you right here, right now. If you check out Ogre Battle and play that, I'll check out Spec Ops a lot. I'll do, my, I'll do my best. I don't have no system to play it on. Wait, I have my, I have my Super Nintendo somewhere in the house. Gotta find it. Yeah, well, you, you also have a Wii, don't you? Although you might not be able to buy it since the Wii wear me. <laughs> yeah, I do have a Wii. How about you send me it and I'll play it. Dude, this game was worth no. more than sending no. it to you. I tried, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Good good, good job. Yeah, you know, hey, shoot or shoot, man. Yeah, I sure do. Shoot or shoot. But anyway, let's uh, shoot on 
to uh, news time, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, news time, children, and all that stuff. Splinter Cell Conviction is now available on backwards compatibility for Xbox One. This is awesome for me. I'm a huge Splinter Cell fan, as you know. Still waiting for a new Splinter Cell game after Blacklist. But no, this was this was the fourth fifth entry in the series. Because there was one Chaos Theory, Pandora Tomorrow, Double Agent, Conviction. Yes, five. Fifth entry in the series. And it was a departure from the uh, series of games where mm -hmm. they were more stealth-based. This one was definitely, uh, quote-unquote, stealth-based. You could still play it stealthy, but it was more about more about Fisher being a pissed-off... Uh, Daddy? Pissed-off dude with a chip on his shoulder at this point. Not a bad guy. No, no. Not a bad guy by any means. Daddy. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um... You know, it, it the they brought in this new system called Mark and Execute, where you would you you use a stealth takedown, and you would get marks. And depending on depending on the gun you had, you had you know many more marks or two. You had like four or two marks that you could use, depending on the gun you had. And it was really cool because you could go and you could mark different things, including traps. So you know, for instance, you could be in a room with a chandelier, and there's a guy standing under the chandelier two other people in the room or let, let let's say three let's say three so you can go into the room stealth kill stealth kill the one guy and then activate your market execute and you bop bop shoot chandelier chandelier fall down on the dude and he'd be dead so it it, it brought it brought a little more openness and more freedom to the splinter sauce which in my opinion was a good thing i like the extra freedom of everything Right. And even though I even though I thought that it was kind of an easy game to play mm -hmm. compared to the compared to the uh the more uh stealth based games in the series, it's still very, very fun. And the the best thing about the game though is the co op the co op mode in my opinion. You work with a friend and you can take on take on the co op missions which take place a few months prior to the main story of conviction. And you're basically going in, you're trying to stop a nuke from Russia, I believe. You can pick it up for ten dollars uh, until February twelfth. Cool. Now, is this the one with the co-op? Yes, yes. Conviction is the one with the co-op. Yes. Okay. And you own this? I, I did. I have to look and see if I still have it because I know I traded in a bunch of games a while ago. If I don't have it, I'll pick it up for ten bucks. Okay. I'll buy it. Well, because I own it. <laughs> Yes. And I was just really going to say, if this is the one with the co-op, then maybe we should uh, have an R&R &R play date one day. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. Uh, I'll pick it up for sure. And we can definitely get down on that. And I'm really all for a playing Conviction again anyway. I love that game. I love it. It's, it. it's it's one of my favorites in the series because of the way Fisher is at this point in time. He's old. He was pretty much done with everything. But he got dragged back in because somebody messed with his daughter, and 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 really his whole his quote unquote family 
Because third echelon is is his is and was his family, right? Yeah, in I, in addition to his daughter. So uh, I remember that movie. But I will find you, and I will kill you. <laughs> yes, that was uh, Michael Ironside as Sam Fisher in Taken. <laughs> no, but it's 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 another fantastic game that I love, and I definitely think that for those who have not played it. You should definitely check it out. And those who have played it and may want to play it again, here's your opportunity to play it. Yeah. And also, before I end this little bit of it, um, you can, like I said, you can get this, and you can get uh, The Darkness 2 and, and Spec Ops The Line, because those are both in addition to Conviction in the backwards compatibility list for Xbox One. It's like a 2K pack. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, guess, yeah, because Darkness 2, Darkness 2 and Spec Ops were 2K, right? Yeah, I guess Ubisoft did Splinter Yeah, but yeah, Ubisoft did Splinter Cell, so, yes. For some reason, I had it in my head. They, I, I, I knew what you meant. I knew what you meant. Yep. Um, Alright, so I'll go ahead and take the reins from here. Yeah. And let's see if I can bring up my new story in a timely manner. Okay. So it has been announced that Monster Hunter World has shipped 6 million units and is the fastest title for Capcom to reach 6 million units. Jeez, I'm honestly not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised either, but I'm sad. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not a Monster Hunter guy? No, I'm not a Monster Hunter guy, and until Capcom releases Mega Man, I still have a boycott against them. Fair but enough. I know they announced that they're releasing it, and they showed they did. it, but between now and when it gets released, they could always go, oops, this game was no good, we canceled it. <laughs> they could. It's very true. But yeah, so they uh, Capcom announced that Monster Hunter World is shipped 6 million units worldwide for both the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, making it the fastest Capcom title to ship. 6 million units. Uh, see, Monster Hunter World is the latest entry of the series and first new Monster Hunter title for home console in 9 years, which is probably why it ships so many. Probably. Uh, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's amazing. You take a break from a series, putting it on, like, a console, and then you suddenly release a new console, and it sells a whole bunch? Jeez, like... <laughs> Um, let's see. It says Monster, Hunter, Monster Hunter discussion, though, is something that we could have at some point, though, as far as the, you know, playing it on a console versus a, you know, a handheld console or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something we could always talk I about. Think, I, think, I think that that's a big factor in why the game is doing so well, in my opinion. Because people have grown up from portables and are now wanting to play it on their console? Not, not only that, I just think that some that some people in particular uh, can't – Monster Hunter requires a heavy time sink, and I think that it's, in my opinion, easier to do if you're sitting at home on your console uh, versus playing it on, on, a, uh, on the DS, uh, on the 3DS, for example. I don't know. This is just my, my opinion. I think that it's easier for you to do that. Whereas sitting, you know, sitting playing your playing your 3DS, uh, if you're like me, your your head depending on where you are, your head's down looking at the screen, 
your neck might start to hurt. And you're like, oh, I got to do something else now. So so I, for me, it, it's easier this way. And I think they what they also did was they fixed a lot of the the barriers to entry for monster for newbies monster hunter like, like myself. Um, they have a lot of tutorials in the game for those that are new to the game. If you read them, you will pretty much understand what the gist of it is, the gist of, of what they're trying to get across to you is. And they've made it very easy. They even have a story in it now for those, you know, that want something to drive them forward. Because to my knowledge, talking to other people who played Monster Hunter game before, there really wasn't a quote-unquote story to the, to the games to begin with. It's just you go hunt these monsters, you get bet, you go and get better things to improve your character as far as gear and stuff, and you go hunt bigger monsters. That's it. There was no story to drive you forward. The, sto- the grind and the story came from you taking on these monsters and things of that nature. Right. So I think that that has a, done a big, a big plus for Monster Hunter and why it's succeeding the way it is now in terms of the article. Right. Well, I mean, for one, you, you play portable games weird, my guy. <laughs> if yeah. you're like cramping your neck and you're looking down and you're like, eh, after 15 minutes, you're like, I, I, I heard. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, then you're, you're playing it weird. But um, to just rebuttal here, I... I don't, if anything, I think Portable has made Monster Hunter more popular because... Oh, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, th- I think it's it helped for sure. Yeah. I just think that it's it's opened up a new, you know, market Right. with and, the console side. Well, I think other games have, like, made Monster Hunter more popular too. Like, uh, Ark, for example, very similar in style you know, other than you're not in a third person. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, uh, I, I won't get too much into that because, uh, honestly, I, I haven't enjoyed any. I haven't, uh, played Monster Hunter World, but what I saw you playing of it on your stream, um, it was kind of, for lack of a better word, hokey. <laughs> Is how I felt it kind of looked. Um, but that's a that's a discussion for a whole another episode we can talk about. <laughs> um, the last that's thing fine. I was going to bring up here is that the article also mentions that in spring of this year, Capcom is going to hold events leading up to what they call the Monster Hunter World Cairo Playoffs, which they're going to pit the best hunters to complete in kill time to decide who is the number one hunter in the country. That could be really fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how you would do that. I guess you just start a timer, like go kill this animal and and go from there. Yeah, and and maybe and maybe you start from you know like the Great Jagras to you know one of the harder monsters and do it like do it like a uh, a uh, a time trial thing. Right. You know, you get this you get this amount of time to kill this monster. You know, if you do it in you know, well, 40, 45 minutes, for instance, the other person has to come behind you and try to beat your score. Maybe, I don't know. Right. If it's anything like, uh, I'm kind of thinking like Olympics, where uh, they put you in a, a small area to go kill this uh, beast, and 
the the maybe they start you out with nothing like you have to find weapons i don't know uh but then you would go and like kill it and you would get three tries to move on to like the next round yeah so that that's kind of what i was thinking but yeah because on the uh, on the hunts in monster hunter world you know when you go on these hunts for a monster you have a ton of it so you so you so you have an hour to kill whatever monster it is for instance Uh, and you get yeah but no it's okay usually not a big deal you can usually find the monster uh you know fairly quickly depending on how on what on your tracking and all that but even if you don't find it you know immediately it'll probably find you (laughs) um and if that's the case like what happened with with me and when I was hunting the uh, pukey pukey, uh, but I'm calling him. Uh, the barfy barfy. <laughs> yeah, barfy barf 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 pukey puke dude. Yeah, I was I was hunting him and he actually found me. Um, and then I had two. I had a great jogress come in, and I had a nut, had a T Rex looking thing come at me, and they were all fighting each other. And I was like, what is this? I don't want any part of this. <laughs> But but no, so yeah, I can definitely see why that would be interesting to watch. I'm hoping to see how how that actually all works out. Yeah, definitely. I can talk more about that in the future. But yeah, so yeah, um, on to my second uh, piece of news. It wouldn't be wouldn't be an on our podcast if we didn't talk about Destiny at some point, right? Destiny or Overwatch. That's- yeah, Destiny or Overwatch. Or both sometimes if you're lucky. Yeah. And this week I got another I got another Destiny art Destiny Destiny article for you guys coming from the this week at Bungie. Focusing on the nightfall changes and the Crimson Days event. So just to get Crimson Crimson Days Crimson Days out of the way because it's pretty quick. Crimson Days is a week-long event. It's going to focus on two one two two v two crucible play. It's a doubles playlist. You'll go in and it's a clash. So it's team deathmatch basically. They're they're releasing a new map with it. It's it's a different take on the burning shrine where the vex. It's in the future of Mercury. So the vex have won basically, and you know it's going to look a lot different. Duke, there's coming with new rewards, new ghost shells, uh, emotes, shaders, things of that nature. I wish there was an armor set for it, though. That'd be kind of nice. But this also brings about their new event changes as well. So it'll be like Overwatch now, where if you get, if you level up enough to get the Bright Engram, you'll get two. You'll get the Bright Engram, and you'll get the Crimson Days event Engram. And this will go throughout the whole week. And they do. They have a new thing that they're doing called a uh, a knockout list on items. So if you get if you get the ghost shell, you know, in, in in a reward in a reward package or whatever, you know, you hopefully won't get the ghost shell again because you've striked it off the list. And they'll keep doing that until you get all the rewards within the Crimson Days playlist. So looking forward to finding a friend and going and making some magic happen in the in the two v two playlist. So why? Because we can get these Crimson Days in the ground. I'm excited for that. But on to the more pressing thing and the bigger thing, in my opinion, which is the Nightfall changes that they're doing. So they're working on these new improvements for Nightfalls, and they're bringing back the Nightfall scoring. And 
they um they wanted to change the way nightfalls work because now nightfalls run a timer and they feel and i feel like most of us in the community feel like that the timer uh doesn't do you any good it, it, it makes you want to rush through the content of actually playing it if that makes sense because you know you run through these frags long enough you know hey these are areas i can run through these are areas i can't so the strike scoring is going to prevent some is going to prevent that it's going to force you to be more active in the strike and they wanted to reward you for engaging and defeating enemies instead of running past them avoid overemphasizing specific mechanics like precision kills that highlight certain areas of the sandbox and or punish other areas so that players are the ones who determine the most effective meta reward you for taking on greater challenges up to the limits of your own capabilities and reward you for doing the above quickly and over the course of a short run versus long slogs over several hours. So the updated mechanics is going to be that scoring is going to be team-based and, and, and the sum of individual performances. A team should be able to focus on what works best, not feeling put out by who stole whose kill. Scoring is primarily driven by kills and secondarily by orb generation. So any of those masterwork, and any of those masterwork weapons you have, you can use those and generate orbs of light on multi-kill, so those will help as well. We want you to find what works best for clearing strikes instead of telling you which weapons to use, but we want coordinated use of supers and other team support mechanics to contribute to high scores. We're interested in restoring special point special point awards based on medals. We want your input to understand the basic meta first. Score bleeds over time. We're watching as closely score decay can feel bad. But all else, but all else being equal, a team that clears faster than another team should score higher. Score decay achieves this in the most transparent fashion. Scoring cuts off after time thresholds. At 15 minutes, new points new points earned are reduced by 50%. At 18 minutes, you stop earning new points, and it's a race to finish the run and post your score. We want time to matter. See above. But also, we want to avoid some of the problems with solo prisoner validators, where a high score might, revolve, might involve punishing respawning combatants and yourself for a few hours until the novelty wore off. So, um, just just to talk briefly about this, um, I know I know that there's a lot of wording in there about time and things like that, and doing it quickly and stuff. I think there will be a bonus for you getting it done, you know, in you know ten minutes or whatever, but you know, if you rush through it in those 10 minutes, you're not getting the full effect of of the strike with the new scoring. You're not taking advantage of the new scoring system, if that makes sense. Um, anything before I uh, before I go on to, to the challenges? Well, the only thing that I found uh, particularly interesting with what mm -hmm. you said was the whole... Um, Mars being in the future and ruled by the Vex. That, yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah, that that that's a story thing though. Um, that was in the Curse of Osiris, um, expansion thing. But, but yeah, the um, so they're they're also adding a new thing for the Prestige Nightfalls called challenge cards, and these challenge cards are items that offer a way to boost a challenge in exchange for score multipliers. So there's a picture here of of a, uh, a Nightfall challenge, and it's got a score multiplier of 2.15, and power handicap's 10%. There's a solar damage increase, and there's something else on there. 
But um, this is basically a way for you to, I guess, I guess this way for you to toggle burns, like solar burn and things like that, as well as other things like uh, torrent or something like dick, uh, grenades uh, recharge slower or something like that. Right. That's basically what that is. And that sounds really cool. The reward section of this uh, post says players will be able to see theirs, their scores on new Nightfall emblems available as drops in each Nightfall strike. First of all, that's really cool. We're getting more emblems for the different Nightfall strikes, which will keep track of our scores on these strikes and allow us to improve, you know, week after week on Nightfalls. Uh, these emblems and, and others like them are another source of auras, which are automatically enabled if your personal score is above a global threshold. At first, the thresholds will be set based on what we think might be tough for players to reach, but we look forward to, sh to you showing us how much we underestimate you. Then we can raise the bar based on community scores. And there's another picture here in the TWAB where they show, an, they show off one of the auras here. Along with the aura, a personal score over the threshold will also unlock a fire team-wide buff that boosts Vanguard token drops in that strike by 25%. When your fire team sees the Nightfall aura on your head, they know who, they know who's hooking them up. Lastly, some rare variants of these Nightfall, Nightfall emblems will be available as drops at higher score thresholds. Obtaining these rewards is meant to be challenging, so we don't expect everyone to reach these scores or collect these items. So again, this is good, giving us more things to work towards. This is this is one of the this is what we want. You know, more things, more things, work, more things to work for, more things to look forward to, more special things to get to set yourself apart from everyone else. You know, um, and this uh, they go on to say this is the first iteration of it, and we will we will we will have further updates based on your input. So however however we as a community respond to these things, it will um, the changes will be reflected in future updates to the whole thing. So just to sum this all up, in my opinion, this is a good change. Should have been it from the beginning. We're not going to talk about that because I'm tired of talking about that, in my opinion. Um, so it's 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 a it's a really good change, and it's going to make Nightfalls actually use, useful, quote unquote, again, and make make me want to actually do them because I haven't done a Nightfall strike in a long time. So. Because there was really no reason to do them. So now I have reason to do them again. So that's good. Thank you, Bungie. Let's keep working on it, man. Yeah. About that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was kind of thinking... Because I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, Destiny since we talked about it last week. and Yeah. I don't feel like we got to finish it. And I would uh, come up with the analogy that um, Destiny 2 and Destiny is kind of like an automobile. And Destiny 1 had everything that we wanted and needed with it. And then Destiny 2 came out and they'd removed the brakes. And, you know, when you're going super fast, you kind of need something to slow you down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they did. Like, they released the next year's model and they removed the features, like the brakes and the satellite radio and all this, you know, extra stuff that was in the original. And that, that's kind of what it's like. Like, you can't use it because it's not where it's supposed to be. And what's going to happen is people will leave or already leave because it's going to take them two months to put everything in. And they're going to find something else to play. 
They're going to find uh, PUBG to play. They're going to, you know, go to Rainbow Six Siege because that's had a resurgence. Right. You know, and so, yeah, they're making these changes for the better, but what does it matter if their player base is like, you know, we're done with you? And really, honestly, I think I, I'm going to go back to one of the things you said that Destiny 1 had everything we wanted. Not from the start, it didn't. Uh, <laughs> you, I, don't, I don't think you were there around the point in time where things were not the best within Destiny 1. Early, early, in, early in, Destiny's, in Destiny 1's life cycle, it wasn't the greatest either. Um, uh, but, it, but it did get better over time. It definitely did. And it got to where we, where we ended with, with Rise of Iron. Um, Destiny 2 came out, and we all know it's had issues. And you can uh, use that analogy there if you want. That's fair. Um, but, and you talk about people playing other games. I mean, honestly, that's fine. You can play other games. No one's stopping you from playing other games. And and really, and it's the goal of every game company that makes any video game to make that game be the only game that you play. So, yeah. so it, in in that, well, it, in in some in that respect, it has for some people. You know, for for those of us who are sticking around for everything. And you know, continuing to grow with the game and all that stuff, more power to us. For those for those of you who have left or you know, or thinking about leaving, it's okay to go play other games. No one's stopping you. If Destiny if Destiny is not fun for you, don't play it. It's that simple. It's not hard. That's fine. No one's sitting here forcing you to play the game. Um but at the same time, you know, for those of us who are enjoying it and are finding reasons to come back to play it, you know, what you know, whatever those reasons may be, you know, that's fine for us too. Um, no, no, and and that's the problem that uh, that I've seen with a lot of things now in in terms of definitely the community is so fractured because there's people who the people on one side who love the game and are passionate about the game and want to see it get better, you know, and are giving the proper feedback and things like that to make it better. And there's those on the other side that want to uh, bash the game or whatever it may be. Uh, they're not. And, and, you know, if, if you, if you've played the game, if you haven't played the game, doesn't matter to me. But, uh, you know, for those of you on that side of the coin, you can do what you want, but you're not being part of the solution, in my, in my opinion. Well, uh, I think... Hold up. I don't know if you're saying that, that I'm uh, no, bashing... No, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not calling you out in particular. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not, I, no, no, I'm not saying that. No, just in general. Um, if, if, I, if I wanted to call you out, I would, trust me. But... <laughs> But I'm not gonna do that, and I wouldn't do that. Not, not not on air anyway. I wouldn't do that to you. That's rude. You'll you'll wait till but, we stop recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> but no. <laughs> no, but <laughs> no, but but for, but for real though, um, you know, I think that again, if you're not having fun with the game, that's fine. You don't have to play it. You can play other games. If you decide you want to come back, 
once they make these changes and try it out for yourself, fine. There were so many people who came on board to Destiny 1 late after all the changes happened, after after we had been through, you know, all the things with the constant grind for materials and not having to do all of that anymore and a lot of the other things that plagued Destiny Destiny 1 and the same the same thing can be said for Destiny 2 in my opinion it has a lot more negative energy around it that's for sure but i still think and most of the people in the community uh still think that it can be a great game and that's why we're still continuing to support the game and play it and talk about it on a weekly basis um there's another podcast that i listen to a few other destiny podcasts that i listen to and they all share the same sentiment that i do in that you know we're all here because we love this game and we're passionate about this game and for those who you know who left you can come back if you want to try it out sure you know come back and try it out if you don't like it that's fine you know but if you if you don't like it cool but you know what 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 we what I, what I think we would appreciate is the bashing and the other things that's not helping that's only making things worse wait hold up though like mm-hmm. it's okay to love your game but don't yes. love your game and what i mean by that is that if a game is crap and it's no good, like stop defending it. <laughs> you know. But see, but, like, but no, but that's but that's that's where I think I think hold, defending and oh, go ahead, go ahead. Let's finish your thought. Just just because, um, you know, it's okay to love the game and say you know I love playing it. it has its problems mm-hmm. for sure, um, and I understand that, and I understand why you don't like it. But what I'm getting from the Destiny community is uh, this game is great, you suck if you don't like it, and it's going to get better. That That's the attitude that I'm getting from the community, is that um, we can't say that there's a problem with this game. We can't say that, look at these issues. Like, this is why I'm not going to play it. This is why I'm not interested in it, because the Destiny community that's so strong about it is telling us that um, we're the ones that are stupid, that it's getting better. Like, that's kind of the feeling that I'm getting, even though I'm I'm like on the fence there you know what i'm saying right yeah yeah i'm not on either side i'm not saying it's crap i'm not saying it's great you know i'm just i'm just saying the proof is in the pudding and that's where i'm at yeah and i'm playing devil's advocate here right right and um to that i would say that i don't know um who who if, if this person's talking to me you know i don't know who they are seeing interact that way with them but from the people that i interact with and people that i listen to talk about the game none of us react that way to anyone on the outside i I saw it on that uh, destiny community podcast you sent me a lot i i don't even try and watch that actually i yeah i I mean i they dropped several (laughs) f-bombs Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. unless you got a quick rebuttal, we should probably <laughs> I don't have I don't have anything quick in the moment. Unfortunately I don't. 
right, we'll continue this next week, I'm sure. Okay, yes. <laughs> Stay tuned next week for more. <laughs> And then and then and then the R logo spins and we cut the commercial. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. <laughs> we have to take out the super friends. And <laughs> Go on to the third news story. Yeah. <laughs> so there are several rumors. Um involving Metroid Prime 4 in that the Bandai Namco Singapore division is the one that is making the game. So there have been uh, multiple sources and I guess it's been confirmed to be true by a new reporter from Eurogamer that has stated that Metroid Prime 4 is in development and is being made by Bandai Namco Studios Singapore. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So supposedly this is the same uh, production house that was formed up of uh, former LucasArts Singapore staff who also worked on the canceled Star Wars 1313. 1313. I vaguely remember hearing about that. Mm-hmm. Vaguely. Yeah, they announced it, showed some artwork for I think maybe a little bit of gameplay or video. And then that was it, and they canceled it after Disney bought the license or bought LucasArts. Uh, they killed the studio and canceled the game. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so not much is known there. And I'll, I'll be honest, um, just because of Bandai Namco's track record, like with what I've seen them do with their games, um, I'm a little worried. <laughs> Right. I'm a little worried that this game might have corners cut, and that's going to be uh, disappointing for me. So. Yeah, I, I understand that 100%. Yeah, so hopefully uh, they do a good job with it, but uh, it is interesting nonetheless that Nintendo is letting a big studio house like Bandai Namco develop uh, a pretty significant game for their Nintendo Switch library. Yeah, I, I think, though, I think you'd want a bigger studio that has more resources to work on a bigger game like a big franchise such as metroid that's just my opinion of course oh sorry no uh, you're okay i was taking a sip <laughs> um cut all that out <laughs> he won't not. Too damn <laughs> um but well no i mean the original metroid prime was made by a small studio called retro studios and I'm I'm okay with a small studio developing the game and making a, for lack of a better word, a compact game that's full of uh, Metroid Prime goodiness. You know, like I yeah. don't need a super long game, a super huge world. Just give me fun elements. Um, yeah, no, it's it's just, um, again, it it comes down to Bandai Namco. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the Singapore studio. It sounds like it's a new studio, and. So maybe they won't have the same track record. I'm just looking at other Bandai Namco games I've played. Uh, like the newest one that I've played was the the Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. Yeah. Like that had so many corners cut on that game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a fun game, but it could have been so much better. And and even like the the translation, there were typos and and there was grammatical errors and. Uh, 
But yeah, that's, oh. that's all I really have to say about it. All right. Well, what would you want it for the Metroid game to be a to be in your mind a success? What 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 would it take uh, in the game for for you to like I said for it to be a success for you? Well, I honestly I would want to go back to the original Metroid Prime formula. Uh, because after the the original Prime, they went with Prime 2 and Prime 3, and they started introducing, like, these dark suits and this uh, Phazon stuff, and, and, like, there were areas where you had to have a certain suit on to go by, and I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't really, I don't like that. <laughs> like, 2 and 3 weren't as fun to me as the original one was. And a lot of that, I think, came down to, um that it was basic you know it was simple it was more about the gameplay mm -hmm. um than it was about like this extra story like they had a dark samus which i've always hated having a dark character like uh, like a dark version of another character like like yeah. a dark ryu or something yeah for instance or, or like um super mario sunshine is the one that comes to mind they had like a dark Mario that was going around and was graffitiing stuff and he was getting in trouble for it because it looked like him. Mm -hmm. Like, that is lazy writing to me. Like, you can't come up with a character that's that's similar to them that could be more of a rival. You have to go, no, it's an exact duplicate. Because <laughs> right. no one can match But evil. Yeah. So I've always found that trope to be... Uh, dumb and that's kind of what they did with two and three is they introduced this dark samus that was born from the phase on stuff uh that you got attached with like it destroyed your armor and it was it became your armor or something like that it, it's ludicrous like you know destroyed your armor and then became your armor what yeah like in metroid prime 2 it's been a while but what i recall was that they you had the, the big bad armor from Metroid Prime 1. You went to this planet or this uh, uh, research station or whatever it was. And uh, there was this phase on stuff that uh, kind of like a Spider-Man symbiote uh, attacked your armor, ripped off all the like modifications, and then like became the, the extra armor attachments. Like that was how they explained that she didn't have her weapons or her ammo or anything. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to understand the point of you being a, a phase on whatever, whatever the thing is called getting rid of the armor and then just like, you know what? I like it here. I think I'm going to become armor now. Like, like, Hey, I know I ate your armor, but, uh, can I hang out and, you know, be a part of your armor now? Can I just, can I just be your armor now? Well, it wasn't her armor. It was like <laughs> this dark enemy. You was fighting yourself because it was your armor upgrades. Okay. I think you had to fight it to get parts of your armor back. I don't know. Cause I never got that far into it. Right. Um, because it made me sad, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, not fair I, enough. I think that's. Uh, what their trope was. So, as long as they get rid of that, go back to uh, the basics. Um, you know, I mean, I would even be cool with just like a 
uh, area where you played as Samus without her power suit. You know? Yeah. Like so maybe you know, maybe like a, a little prequel thing before the game starts for the actual game starts. Mm-hmm. Where you play as Samus before she gets into the suit, and I don't know how they could do it, but you know, yeah, like give a little get you know if if this is if this is someone's first Metroid game, give them a little more background on Samus before she got to where she is now, and then you cut to her in the armor, looking all heroic, and you know, getting to whatever she's getting into for the main story of the game. Yeah, something like that would be, I would be, uh, uh, I think a okay. But I mean, this is yeah. from somebody that thought uh, Metroid Prime uh, Other M was good. <laughs> like, like that's a game people hated, and I was like, I I enjoyed it. <laughs> like, I don't get why right. people are so upset. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's going yeah. on here? Like, uh, um, so uh, I I would be okay with that. You know, story wise. I don't really need a lot of story. Like if you're going to do the story, go ahead and tell it to me through like these anagrams that I'm scanning. Like in the original Metroid, you would go to essentially computer portals, you would scan them and you would get story bits there about what they was doing at the station or on this planet or whatever. So that's kind of like, go ahead and tell me the story that way. That way, if I don't care about that, I'm just going and I'm shooting aliens. But if I can, yeah. I'm going to scan everything, and I'm going to uh, get the story that way. Like, that's and even through environmental storytelling too. Yeah, like I don't, I don't need uh, to have her talking with somebody or, or having videos of stuff happening in the lab. Mm-hmm. Because the because the one Metroid Prime that I remember, I believe it was on the GameCube. It was the first person Metroid. Was that Prime? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's the one that I remember. I never actually played it myself, but I remember watching someone play, and I'm like, oh, this looks kind of cool. Like, if, if it was me playing a Metroid game, that would be something that I would like to play. Because mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, like, of, you know, HUD displays and all that. You could do so much, so much cool stuff with the first person, uh, Samus, being in the suit with, you know, being inside her helmet, looking at her HUD and having all the different displays or, you know, whatever you want to do. So I think for me, a first-person Metro would be kind of dope. And maybe you mix in a little bit of third-person where with puzzle solving or if you want to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, they, you know, like rolling rolling into a ball or something like that. That's what they do. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. All, all right, cool. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Metroid Prime, whenever you got into the ball, it went into a third-person camera. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. And they had, once you... Uh, upgraded you could change to like a heat sensor and a, a cold visor like it would change your display hud to be different colors mm-hmm. yeah way. yeah and it was kind of cool because you could sometimes see like her face reflection in the glass like man it was yeah that yeah that yeah, for me for oh. me to play a Metroid game that'd be something that i would want yeah here's the other thing mm-hmm. don't do motion controls <laughs> oh yeah i don't want them I personally don't want them. Or, or if you do them, give me an option to turn them off. Well, I don't know how you could do it, but yeah, here you know, here's, here's my deal. I'm okay if they put motion controls in, but make people turn them on. Don't make me turn them off. Make people turn them on. Oh yeah, but I, I, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking that you know, by having them being able to be turned off, 
you could turn them on. You could turn them on as well. That's that's what I meant. Well, with Metroid Prime Three, because it was on the Wii, you had to use mm-hmm. the controller and you had to aim with the motion control when you were shooting, and that was not very easy. Um, that it wasn't. And so I I didn't even get far in that game at all. Like I got further in two than I did in three. But yeah, that's that's my uh, bit, I guess. All right, fair enough. Well, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing how the whole Metroid Metroid thing develops and shakes out. I'm sure you'll keep me and listeners up to date on that. I sure will. Fantastic. So on to my final piece of news. It is my favorite time of year because Christmas. Uh, no, baseball is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers are reporting next week, the 14th, I believe. And that means that we are getting closer to the release of MLB 18, the show. And this year, well, they act, yeah, um, Ramon Russell was talking to Ryan McCaffrey and a few other people about the uh, improvements and things like that for the game this year. They released a game pre- a ga- delay. Can't talk today. They released a gameplay trailer. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a whole like 22 minute gameplay of uh the yankees and the diamondbacks playing with uh mccaffrey talking to uh ramon about the game and there was a bunch of things that he talked about but i'm just going to take a few i took a few things from that they're working reworking the tagging system uh the um so basically what that means is you know for for ground balls or or plays that are able to be tagged on you'll notice you'll notice players being tagged differently or or tags being made being made that weren't made before so for instance last year there were a lot of slides you could do that could take you away from the bag and you pretty much be safe every time because they couldn't tag you there so now they're reworking the system to make sure that those plays are actually going to be taggable and you know those won't be so uh we'll say uh cheesy to put it put it put it that way yeah Basically, um, they've done a few other things, but as far as the on-field on-field things go, they've improved player models a little bit to make sure that they look more like the actual MLB players. So Giancarlo Stanton comes to mind. And another thing they did was they added a swing analysis box to show off your uh, your exact swing. So now instead of or in addition to the current thing that they have, where they have the circle, the yellow circle, and it's like, oh, you were late. And they would show, you know, your contact if it was good, you know, fouled off, if it was sawed off or whatever, different kinds of contact. Now they'll show you an actual overlay of your swing, and it will show you whether you were above the ball, below the ball, how early you were, how late you were, and it'll give you feedback that way so you can improve for your next for your, your next swing, whether it be the next pitch, the next pitch, the pitch after, whatever. Um, and they've actually started showing off the uh, – released the uh, developer blog uh, schedule and Twitch stream schedule. And there's not a lot here because they like to keep things sort of tight-lipped. So on the 8th, which already happened, was the new gameplay features, improvement, and deep dive. GameStop Monday will be the 12th on the 15th at 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Uh, it, there's a bunch of stars here, and it says the little things deep dive. And this is this is on Twitch, so yeah. I'm probably be t- tuning into that stream and seeing what the little things are, because the show always does little things really good. 
The 19th is another GameStop Monday. The 22nd is presentation and commentary from Infamous Deep Dive. There is another person joining the booth this year. Uh, I'm excited to see who it is. I think I have a guess to who it is. I'm not going to say, but I think I have a guess to who it is. And if I'm right, we'll see come the 22nd. Um, so they're going to be showing off how showing off the new person joining the booth, the dynamic storylines and conversations, full speed replay system, and so on and so forth. On the 26th of February is another GameStop Monday. And I will get to March once we get into March. So for now, I'm just going to leave it at February. Mm-hmm. Once once we get to March, I'll start talking about those developer updates just so we're not overwhelming everyone with information all at one time. Right. Yeah. So needless to say, I'm super excited about the show. Last year was a... Good year if you are a Road to the Show player, and if you're like me who plays both franchise and Road to the Show, mm-hmm. you were probably disappointed in the franchise mode because they didn't really touch it all that much. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping they make some uh, changes to franchise. Ramon talked about something in the video with McCaffrey about phases. I'm not sure what exactly that means, but if I had to guess, it's probably something having to do with the way teams are the way the way teams go through different phases whether it's during a during a whole season or during the course of you know a few seasons so you know you could you could be in a phase now where you know for example the yankees they're in a phase now where they are a world series contender again so um so you know they're gonna be in that winning now mode whereas someone like you know the uh the Diamondbacks or the Rays, for instance, they might be in a rebuilding mode or trying to get to getting to be a contender. So that might be what it is, but I don't know. We'll find out later on. Right. But um, uh, let's. Uh, oh yeah, no, definitely. I'm. I'm. I'll keep you guys updated on that. I'm so excited. So excited. You do? Oh, okay. I thought you had all three. My bad. I did go first. I forgot. My bad. You're no, good. Go ahead. After Destiny 2, we talked for a long time, so we didn't get We did. We did. We did. And then you talked about Metroid. Yeah. So that was two. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So no. And it's pretty quick um, because my last news story is that Nintendo announced this. There will be an update uh, next month in March that will allow people to use their gold coins that they've earned towards buying games on the Switch. Huh. Yeah. So people that don't know, when you buy a game digitally on the Switch, it uh, automatically adds gold coins to your My Nintendo account. If you buy a brand new game, uh, you can actually go into the option menus of that game and register it to your account, <clears throat> um, which will add gold coins uh, to your account that way. And uh, that doesn't that may not count for used games. Uh, it just depends because if somebody uh, bought it brand new, registered it, and then didn't like it or finished it, took it and traded it, if you tried to register it, it would say it's already registered to his account. So each uh, card, like if you're not buying it brand new, you have that chance. Um, so what they've said though too is that uh, you can use your gold coins in conjunction with uh, buying an item so if you don't have enough gold coins to purchase that you can still use your gold coins up um, and pay the rest with a card or whatever 
Okay, cool. So you can do like you can split your payment, say, you know, a <clears throat> hundred gold coins and five dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. So, uh, what they've also <clears throat> said though is that your gold coins are only valid for one year after earning them. Mmm. Use them coins. Yeah. So, well, considering that the Switch came out in March of last year, I'm hoping that they let people have up until March to use those coins and aren't like, well, you got to start earning coins now. Yeah, right. Like, hey, guys, it's February 9th. We're taking away your coins. Yeah. (laughs) Earn new coins, nerds. Uh, Well, be more like March 1st. We're taking away your coins that you earned on March 1st. Which is pretty much uh, everybody yeah. because everybody bought uh, The Legend of Zelda and that. I guess that's going to do it for the news segment. So on to the community segment. Community segment! What is an underappreciated game that you love? I just kind of threw it out there on, in, the, in, in the blue. I was like, it's easy. I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> if you like it, I like it. We can roll with it. Sure. Sounds good to me. All right, sounds good to me. So let us know what underappreciated game, uh, or games for that matter, it's just about one, but games, if you have more than one, that you love, and we will read your answers next week on the podcast. Uh, before we go, though, I did want to say it was rough, you know, but it, it's okay. We, we, we both have very different opinions on a lot of things, and that's okay. The important thing is that we're still friends at the end, and we can all laugh about it. And stuff. Yeah, we can and, all laugh and, about it. And, and and I know I know that I am not the best with uh putting my words together in I don't want to say hostile situations, but um environments where things can can get a little escalated and a little passionate in terms of discussions go. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, in back to back weeks we have had those discussions when it comes to Destiny Two and other things. Um and, you know, for me, that's, you know, just because I struggle to put my words together about certain things, I don't want anyone to take that as, you know, if you're listening, take that as a sign of uh, weakness or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it's just, you know, some people just aren't good at that sort of thing. Some people can put together quicker responses than others. And some people, you know, have the ability to do the opposite and bring other people down not saying you're not saying not saying you do that because you don't but um you know so for those on either side of the fence it's okay it's okay to disagree just uh you know work through it if you can work through it as uh friends at the end of the day cool because after this we're still, we're still friends. We're still going to do the podcast. Nothing's changed. Yeah, we just won't play any games yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just won't talk to him. I won't talk to him yeah. until the next time we record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but in, in, all, in, in all seriousness, though, uh, it's, it's okay to have differing opinions on things. You can still come together and talk about things in a reasonable fashion and be adult about the whole thing. So... That's all that I had to say about that. Any other closing remarks before we uh, before we sign off of here? Well, I, I feel like uh, I need to respond to that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, here we go. Is this guy again with his responses? I think he is. Uh, yeah. Um, no, all I was going to say, um, just to add on to what you already said, is that 
nothing changes if you don't have a discussion about it. Exactly. You know, I mean, if, um, just going back, if nobody said that they didn't like Destiny 2, Bungie would think they're doing a good job. Right. Like, it's, it's as simple, you know? And, exactly. And so, um, as, as a country, we could probably do better in having conversations without um, putting our feelings on the line, without getting our feelings hurt. And I think that's something that uh, you and I do a good job of. And yeah. That, um, you know, sometimes we've talked about serious stuff and we've disagreed, but we're not putting our feelings into it. We're not uh, getting emotional about it. At least I hope we're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting... Uh, <laughs> my feelings hurt because I'm not uh, uh, putting my emotions out there. Like I'm not intending to hurt you. I'm not uh, intending to be hurt. So I think that's, that's how people need to communicate more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's February. It's black history month. It's Valentine's day. Learn to love more everyone. And with that, with that, we're done, right? No, we still got two more hours. Still got more more hours. hours (laughs) (laughs) You thought we were done. (laughs) But, uh, but, but no, no, really, really. Seriously, we're we're done. Let's let's go. (laughs) Seriously, we're done. We are out of here. Thank you all so much for tuning in to episode 31 of the R&R Gaming Podcast. Once again, we are part of the Joystick Entertainment Network. And Ken, a round of plugs before we get out of here. A round of plugs. Go. Yeah. So you can find the podcast on Twitter at R&R Gaming Pod. That's R-A-N-D-R Gaming P-O-D. You can find me personally on Twitter at V. That's M-A-C-R-O-B-O-V. You can find my good friend Byron on Twitter at Ron1417. That's capital B R O N 1417. You can find me on Twitch streaming these days at twitch.tv slash B underscore Ron1417. That's B underscore Ron1417. You can find me on Instagram at B underscore Ron1417 as well. If you'd like to see my face or, you know, any of the other cool things that are posted over there. So. Oh, yeah. My lip is bleeding. We're going to get out of here. Everyone have a good one. Ken, they got to come back next week. Tell them why. Come back next week because everyone could use a little more R&R. working on it <laughs> they are i you know and you know what that's fine work on it cool as long as you get it 
see, here we go. As long as you work on it and get it out there, mm -hmm. if you get it there, that's fine. I don't really yeah. care. 